Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of you gave me great feedback from the last uh, podcast interview. Sorry about the uh, the audio quality that we were recording for from our iPhones there. But, you know, you did ask about the audience reaction and what that was like and what questions people were interested in, in getting answered. So this is your part two. Once again... There definitely is some strong language. There might be some sensitive topics. So if this is something you want to um, make sure you're in a quiet space for, ensure that uh, this is your warning. And um, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing what you all are doing and what types of action this inspires for you. So this is part two of how to end gender-based violence on campus and in general. Enjoy. After can, can, before we ask it, can we just can we just collectively take a deep breath? Like just and imagine that inhale is white smoke, and then exhale just black smoke. And the white smoke that you inhale is filled with love and courage and strength and wisdom and positivity. And that black smoke is is what is uncomfortable and what is is doesn't feel good. And just imagine that as you do that, that so long as you have a breath in your body, you have the ability to endure. And you have the ability to, to do what you need. So uh, that's the yoga teacher of me. Thank you, Ty. Hey, man. I, you I need a breath because I'm... You did a lot, man. <laughs> you did a lot. Did but, a lot. But thank you for that. So excuse me for interrupting. Hi, I'm, I'm Samyukta. I was uh, born and brought up in India. A very, very uh, different culture from here in terms of how women are perceived again. But I see a lot of similarity. Because when I was moving to New York, um, I moved here two years ago. And I, I was moving with a dream that this is going to be a safer place because it's all relative. And then I come here and there are these stories which are just not. But um, I want to go back to your point about the story, uh, how stories, gender stories are. And um, I've been taught to be this perfect woman. Don't do this, don't do that. But I'm also taught to be, uh, don't be a victim. And I feel like I play that a lot in my head. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Okay, never apologize for that. I feel like I I play that a lot in my head. I'm not a victim. I've had a very great But there's so much negativity that makes me feel like I've never felt anything you want. I'm just supposed to be negative. I think we, we push ourselves as women. 
May I thank you for sharing that? Thank you. Thank you. And your your life doesn't compare to ours. There is no hierarchy. I'm no more or less of a victim than anybody. You yourself have survived. So here you are talking about a stigma of being told you're going to be this and this and this, but not this. That's traumatic. So you're here. You know, we're, we're sitting in a particular political state, racial state, civil state, and it's, it's heart-wrenching. I can't even go through the news feeds in the morning sometimes. I'm so sick of this fucking idiot in, in power right now, and the fact that we as a country elected this stupid, but please be mindful that there's more behind that than just those that voted. So, what do you, what do, you do? You gotta stand up, you gotta look in the mirror, and you gotta go, I got this. I'd also say that, like, it's very important to recognize all the pain that we have all gone through. But at the end of the day, you are the one who writes your story. You are the one who decides whether or not you are a victim. And I know that that is a loaded term. Um, and but you decide how you want to be perceived and how not not only how you want to be perceived but how you want to show yourself to the world you know you write that and don't let other people and don't let a culture a society or a news system write that story for you and remind people what your story is does that make sense and what i'm saying is i've had a great life i've had no issues I've had a great support system. Uh, my, my father instilled, you know, qualities of just standing up, having a voice. Uh, and I've always done that. In my life. But I, I just sometimes I just feel there's so much negativity that you just have to pick your fight. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't do everything. You can't do everything. Can't do everything. Don't yeah. think that you can do everything. And that's, it's human. It's human to feel what you're feeling. And let's also it's like be bad. But there's so much negativity, and I can't do so much. Like I want to be able to contribute. Right. But I need to pick my fight. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, like, that's something that I think is a relatively new predicament because the with the uh, world of social media that we live in, we can get so many updates about literally everything at all times. And it's overwhelming. And the human mind isn't meant to deal with this amount of information. Like, there's definitely a dissonance between the amount that a single individual can do and the technology that we're given. Like there's an emotion of a, a, um, a there's a, a mental maturity gap, you know, like we're creating this stuff that's exceeding our own ability to, um, ability to uh, handle it. So choose what's important to you. Cause I've also felt that way where it's like, oh my God, like global warming and like domestic violence and you know, like, Tsunami is happening, and it's. I think as long as you commit yourself to something that is important to you, um, no, that's not even what I want to say. Obviously, like pick on, choose what you want to put your energy into. But I think also just walking around with like a positive intention and just being like, you know what, no matter what today brings, I'm going to be a force of good for whatever. Um, to walk around with that intention, you know, like may somehow your your good attributes throughout the day may make someone's life in the Philippines better, you know, just by like a weird 
domino effect. The world is chaos, you yeah. know, but the most that we can do is control ourselves and our response. And, and I do want to say this because, so I, if you look at my life, I grew up under two military dictatorships, right? I moved around a lot, five, five countries, four continents by the time I was 18, near death experience, fired twice, had a lot of interesting um, stuff with, with visas. Um, but Jen still describes me as the most random, happiest person <laughs> in the world. And, and, and it is so hard to do that because the easiest emotion to tap into is, is fear, is hopelessness, is, there's, is insecurity. And I think what you did was so great because you understand that you don't have to feel guilty for not having fit into any of these categories. There is no hierarchy, as Caesar says. And I think what we as humans need to do is to be brave enough to do what Jesus is to say, hey, I'm going to feel positive today. Yeah. And if I even put a smile on one person's face today, if by dancing to the greatest showman, like uh, I can only do, or, or just, you know, belting out a scene from Black Panther, it's okay that I'm doing that. And I'm not going to feel guilty from that. And it's okay to tell yourself that all the time until you believe it. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I love that you brought that up because yeah. it is filled with negativity. I'm going to have one thing, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that even just by, like, not even, showing up is so important. And openness, to me, is something that we need to shift as being, like, the most coveted uh, thing you can do is being open and being vulnerable. And the fact that you just show that to yourself and to a room full of people who care. Like, I can't even think of a better way to contribute to you. Like, I really can't. Mm -hmm. So, um, thank you. Wow. Okay, we're starting, <laughs> up, we're starting up hot. Okay, yes. next person. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> next person uh, with a thought. Um, can I go? Yes. Um, I have the, the thing. I'm going to put this down because it's weird holding it and talking. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because, um, you know, at Tayo, your experience that you just shared about the subway, I had a moment like that my first year in New York. I'm walking home. It's late at night. It's a beautiful New York night. So I'm like, I'm going to walk 40 blocks home because you can do that here. And I'm in really tiny high heels and a guy starts following me, and it's late at night, and I, I check this. So I go left, and then I go right, and then I go left again to like see if he's staying with me for blocks that don't make sense. And sure enough, he's continuing to walk. Um, and so in that moment, I, I kind of was like, what do I do? Like, And I know I'm someone that has self-defense training. I feel a little bit confident walking around New York, but I still felt unsafe in the situation. So I go, well, most rapists are probably lonely, right? So I just turn around and I like walk up to him and I like shake his hand and I go, hi, I'm new to New York. Nice to meet you. I'm on my way home to meet my roommates. What's up? And like start a conversation. And then I um, pretty much hit on him for like two or three blocks, asked for his phone number and got in a cab on the way home. And I go, why if I was going to get in a cab, did I give him my phone number? Did I hit on him? Did I do any of that situation? I could have literally just like when I saw a cab, hailed the cab and like gone. Um, to be fair, there weren't like a lot of cabs around at that exact moment that I made that impulse decision. But I think we all have those moments, right? Of You know what you talk about, Caesar, where like the fight or flight kicks in and you just make a decision. And sometimes you just look something scary in the face, even though you didn't really want to. Um, but I think the more pernicious form of this is, is what we talk about in the Me Too movements. It's what we talk about in the workplace, right? Um, I have encountered so many times where I think I'm meeting an investor, a potential business partner for lunch, 
and they think they're meeting me to sexually proposition me. And it was funny, the second time a married man with kids used the line that he was in a loveless marriage and staying together for his kids. Because I was like, is there like a script? Is there a school that you guys go to where you get taught this stuff? And it doesn't work, but like, is there? And so I think that that is something that is still very socialized. And at least like on campuses, you guys have programs. There are HR programs, but not really for investor communities, not when you're trying to be an entrepreneur that partners with a particular organization and talks to a CEO. So is there like a calyp it was Calypso, is that yeah. the thing? Does that work for people in the business community, for women trying to fundraise? Like is does it have those applications or do we have something like that? Yeah, I mean, it could be, but I think you know, just even that, um, like having something like that would be great. And I agree with you, and I was like as I was doing uh, looking into this and just I know this because I'm in tech too, is like even from um, like a VC funding perspective, right? Like uh, in 2017, $1 billion went to women from VCs, $60 billion went to men. So, like, there's such a huge gap in being, like, you know, a, a woman trying to start out your business and getting funding. And, like, yeah, you just, like, you're not taken seriously. Um, but, yeah, to as far as, like, a solution-based, um, I know that on, uh, I listened to the to the woman who founded Clipso talk, and I know she wants to expand to the workplace. Um, but like, you know, I think the, the solution to this is like coming up with like this next generation and us all coming up with these inventions. Like, here's the problem. Here's how we're going to fix it. I think is an example of that. Um, but, um, I agree. It's a, it's a huge issue, um, you know, workplace environment and they're all related like, you graduate college, you go to the workplace. Like, this isn't, like, there's one problem to solve. It, it's everything. Um, no, it, it's everything, and it's all our responsibilities. I think a lot of times people have felt comfortable, this is me getting my soapbox, felt comfortable saying it is their problem, it is not my problem. Right. But the reality is this is your friend, this is your sister, this is your brother, this is your mother, this is, could be anybody that could be affected by this. And this, this lackadaisical attitude that, that um, some people in power like to have until they are a threat of getting sued is, is one that, that that's, is such a dangerous cycle that, um, that can be perpetuated. Because if you continue to do this where you create a system where no one feels safe enough to tell you something because it's just going to be brushed over, under the rug, what type of employees are you cultivating? And what type of um, um, scenarios are you creating to have empowered people? And then those people, what, how do you want them to talk to the kids? How do you want them to tell the kids to react in this world? You know, do you want them to talk to them from a negative point of view or to tell them this is the possibility that you can have? Um, I, you know, I, I know it's a reality. My mom and dad would tell me all the time, work twice as hard to be half as good. You're not even a citizen. Don't get into this. Don't go into that. These are all realities. But I, my hope is that everybody here understands the role that they can play, whether it's you volunteering, whether it's you speaking up, whether it's you saying, that's not okay. Because that has a long, long-lasting implication, even if that is met with negative reaction. We need to start causing people to be more reflective of every action that they take. The Aziz Asari thing is a great example, because now we have a lot of men shook. And they're like, okay, okay, maybe. I might have done that. Okay. But I'm not going to do this again, right? That's that. That's the type of things that we have to do. We're not trying to guilt shame anyone or uh, you know make anyone feel guilty for that. But we want people to rethink 
and rewire. Season not here right now, but mm-hmm. rewire your mind. So that, that's really what I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping this does. I'm sorry, I, I just got on that. I don't know why. I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like I needed to go on that diatribe, but um, yeah. So that's the thought. I know you have a question. No, not anymore. Not anymore. Any more? Um, any more thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you can go first. I'll go. Me? Yeah. Um, so something that was mentioned in the very beginning was honoring the fact that we're all humans. Um, so I did want to take some space and acknowledge and honor those members of the LGBT community and how do we, you know, work against and um, work against gender violence um, for members of the LGBT community when it's very heteronormative focus. Gender. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> How do we stay? Uh, how do we make sure we're actually inclusive right. and intersectional, intersectional um, with that? Um, that you, yeah. Do you want to go ahead? With that? I think you had some of the gender roles. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot. A lot of it is like calling out, um, calling out hate when you see hate. You know, like the other day there was a guy on the subway. He was shouting a really loud, um, uh, offensive gay slur, and I was, I, I was really upset that I didn't go up to him and say, like, that's really offensive, and you're saying this really loudly, and I'm really not okay with this, even if it's a stranger, if it's your friend, if it's your mom, you know, like, that's even more of it, and then being allies and giving space and, um, allowing giving space for people in the LGBT community to support themselves. You know, like not speaking for them, which is why I think all of us are like, what? Because yeah. I don't, I can't speak to that community because I, I don't identify as part of that, but I absolutely want and am being very intentional on in giving them space. I think this is where the power story comes to play. So, I don't know how many of you saw Black Panther, right? I've seen it four times, right? I'm a little obsessed. But twice. you see it twice. Yeah. But the reason why I saw it is because of the the symbols in the in the story. I didn't know I needed that story until I saw it. I was like, wow! I used to get made fun of this African accent, and now people are saying it. So people can say all these things. That is what happens in the LGBTQ community. We don't have platforms that tell their stories. There are no platforms. And anytime we have their stories on HBO, those are like the tokenized, oh my goodness, this is the story. Why is it? Yes. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's a that's a big issue because I also know that a lot of people that are not in the community don't even understand what any of the any of the people in the LGBTQ community go through. Yeah. Because they've not been taught. Sex ed is not doesn't even include a lot of you know, you know, uh, people from the same sex, um, yeah, people that have, you know, same sex. Uh, people that go through those type of things, and you know, you don't have, you don't teach. I, I watched an episode of Foster, and there was an episode where there was sex ed, and they didn't teach gay people how to have sex because it was just not a normal thing, and it was like this whole riot, and it's going to cause funding and all that kind of thing. So, to your point, I think as schools, as institutions, as as companies, we need to be more mindful of the policies that we're having. Are we creating policies that allow people to fully present themselves as they are? I worked with a lot of corporations, and there was this heartbreaking story where um, a, a lesbian lady told me she didn't put her family photos for the longest time because everybody else had um, heterosexual families, and she didn't want to invite questions. And she didn't understand 
She, she said it was just this unspoken thing. No one knew what she was. She would go to company parties alone. She didn't want to invite questions. That's what we need to start looking at when we are asking all these questions. Are we, well, are we asking them, are you okay? When we ask them, are you okay? It's not just, are you okay? Is do you feel like you're truly yourself here? Like, what are the systems in place that are making you feel like you, you can come here? Can you bring your boyfriend? Can you bring your girlfriend? Do you feel like we're giving you the right pronouns? Do they, does saying he, she affect you? Should we call you we, they, you know, they, them? Like, these are things that we all need to educate ourselves. So I would say, I, I know you have, you have a thought. Yeah, I just know that there's been requests from the community here to change bathrooms yeah. to all gender. So single-use bathrooms that they would have all gender written on. Um, so different than being, what, male or female, right? It's just having, in that, like you were saying, these specific, which aren't. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. It's not a huge request. It's so minor. Mm -hmm. The amount of money that it would take to make these signs is tiny, but it would have a huge impact on that community to feel that they're included on campus because there are all gender bathrooms that they can use. Yeah. Right? It's a simple thing. Yeah. I was, I'm just really glad that you brought that up because it's also, um, especially amongst young people, I mean, by far the highest suicide rate is LGBT. Community. By far, the highest teen homelessness rate is the LGBT community. Um, by far, like uh, transgender uh, and LGBTQ are uh, much more likely to be victims of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, so, what's that? Yeah, physical, physical assault. Physical assault. Eight, eight, right, right. Eight, Extremely, yeah. So, I'm glad that um, you brought that up because I don't think we would do justice to this topic at all without um, at least briefly mentioning it. And I think it does go back to, sorry, um, to um, a power issue and a representation issue, um, both in media, uh, to Tyra's point, and also um, in power in places that are making the policies. Um, it's once again another thing that um, campuses and academics of higher institution uh, were not created, uh, or institutions of higher academic, uh, were not created for um, the LGBT community. And it's 
on all of us to make sure that everybody's comfortable in the changing workplace, um, the changing um, and who gets to be educated and who gets to feel comfortable being educated um, needs to elevate um, the voices of LGBTQ community. So um, I'm with you and I'm excited that that's a conversation. Yeah, I just think that, so I, I, I can't speak to like the current um, climate, but like in the 10 years since when I went to high school to when my little sister graduated from high school in 2016, I think that they really, um, at least where we went to high school, started to teach a lot more about all genders. Um, her vocabulary and her knowledge is like infinitely higher than mine. And so, and my parents are always like commenting on how impressed they are by like the things that she knows and like how uh, how good she is at speaking about it. And like, I, I just don't think that that existed 10 years ago. And I think that, um, I mean, I can't speak to what's happened past like year, but I think that during the like seven years in between when I graduated from high school and when she did, um, I think that the education on that has at least ha had at least improved. Okay. Do you mind if I ask you what part of the country? Uh, I, was gonna ask. I grew up in Connecticut. I went to Staples High School in Westport, so it's a pretty liberal town and a pretty yeah liberal state, fairly so. I don't know how it is everywhere in the country. No, and I only ask that because the, the point made behind that is that wherever you are regionally in the country, you're looking at different viewpoints, you're looking at different opinions, you're looking at what's conservative, you're looking at what's liberal, you're looking at what's far right, far left. Um, we joke about being Southerners because she went to school in Georgia, I'm from Texas. Um, Adrian was raised upstate New York, so there's, you know, Connecticut, it's northeast, come down south, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, I think that's wonderful, and I think that that's something educationally that needs to be implemented across the country. Um, one of the faults of this country is that we're divided, and we have been since the country was founded by white men who signed the institution. It didn't include women, gays, blacks, browns. Yeah. You know, it's that, but I, I think that your recognition of it is to be committed. And the fact that your little sister is now in this particular knowledge base of strength um, means that you two guys are amazing and you're going to help continue to, to help people onwards and upwards. Two more questions. Um, okay, so I'm from India and I started modeling at a very young age because every girl dreams of being Miss India. I achieved that, and you know, the next thing was getting into acting, like I was talking to Sandra about. But um, I moved to Mumbai at a young age. I, I wasn't educated enough about sexual violence or you know, so there have been times that I've had incidents happen to me and I did not realize that that was not okay until maybe two years back. And I wish somebody had told me about it. And if the Indian culture doesn't talk about you know sex or being educated or just being aware of things and Though I had the freedom to go and explore opportunities, this is something that I regret. Later, that's one of the reasons I decided not to go into acting because you know that's that's something that was happening again and again. I couldn't really talk to my parents about it, and I didn't know if it was okay or if it wasn't because there were peers from the modeling industry who kind of encouraged having it happen to them because it was like you're gaining favor with the person in power who can give you something. So it would be great for people to understand this and also for as children, I mean you absorb these um, 
messages, you know, and you start attaching importance to the way you look, which is great. But it also, it also, I mean, for me, it took a very long time to realize that I'm a person besides my looks or my achievement in the modeling or in front of the camera. And I think that was something really great. So if children are taught this from when they're young, I think that would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I Absolutely. And kind of going back to like the, the stories that especially children are told as these like, I don't know, they just run around as these like pretty androgynous little beings. But then we tell them the stories of like, okay, boys have to be strong. Girls have to be beautiful. Yeah, boys don't cry. Boys don't boys cry. Don't girls like... Girls can cry all they want. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Going back to like, I'm. I also have a sister who's ten years younger than me, and the way that she speaks about um, being gay is a really normal thing, you know. And like in my high school, um, I remember that there were some kids that like might have been, but they totally came out after high school. And now my younger sister like. She's just about to graduate, but there's a handful of kids who are just openly walking around, and uh, which is wonderful, and it's a very like supportive community that doesn't happen everywhere. But like, it really does start with the conversations that we have with our kids, you know, and like the conversations that my younger sister, just ten years, uh, was having and being exposed to. Like that was a big time where Glee was on television, and like Will and Grace was a bit, you know, like it's all in the movies and and television as well, but it's so, the one thing that I'm hoping that comes out of the Me Too movement is that parents now, who have children now, are having different conversations with their kids about consent as like kids, you know? Even though the whole like idea of a gender dichotomy is probably not gonna die anytime soon, the way in which the, the conversations around consent happening at an earlier age, I think, are happening. I also happen to be a tutor, so I'm, like, kind of in, like, those battlegrounds as well. And it's, it looks as though parents are starting to talk about their kids differently. Like, that's great. But we're also very privileged to live in one of the most liberal bubbles. And, um, but at the same time, like, New York is a huge fucking voice, you know? Like, we've got a big voice. And we should use that um, to become as inclusive um, as possible. So, yeah. I know you have one more question, but I just want to give you this analogy. If you ever want to understand what privilege and inclusion is, think about the world from a right-handed perspective. Right? <laughs> Most of the world is right-handed. So how do left-handers wake up? Everything is crafted from seats, utensils, to sports equipment for right-handed people. We wake up as right-handed people not worrying or thinking about, oh my goodness, I have to sit on this side, I have to wear this, I have to buy that. That's how it is when it's a majority-minority dynamic. <clears throat> someone that's left-handed wakes up thinking extra of this all the time, and someone that's in that in the, in the lower part of the power dynamic has to think about these extra thoughts. And if you're wondering, why can't I see these things, think about yourself as right-handed. Why don't you ever talk about being left-handed? So it means that we have to take more of an effort, make more of an effort, rather, to understand the society around us. Because it takes that much more, more work. And we have to be willing to do the work. We can't exist in a comfort zone. A comfort zone is a nice place to live in, but nothing grows. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable and understand that everybody has their own perspective to the same 
thing that we all believe, and we have to learn how to respect that. So that's just just an analogy that I like to use for people when it's here. Talk about that. So one last question, you know, Benito. Well, I, I mean, it, it was just about change, and when Danielle was talking about her younger sister, and you had a similar experience, and I have two daughters. Um, one is nine and one is 11, and so I'm seeing them and grow up in an amazing public school and, you know, protested 17 minutes today um, against guns in schools. Um, you know, we, are, we have progressive kids. We see that with Parkland as well. Um, that I think kids are a lot more aware and they are concerned about this and, and thinking about these things. Um, and just this idea that change is happening so fast. But I think that one thing I've thought a lot about when we look at you know who we have as president now and the people that elected him is, okay, there's a part of this population that isn't seen the same way that we are. And, and you're even saying, my sister who's 10 years younger is seen differently than me. So I think in some ways there is this role of raising our voices and knowing how to do that. And that's something that my first job out of college um, was in the fashion industry working at Calvin Klein and my design director um, wanted to have an affair with me and that I dealt with that for like six months without complaining to HR. You know, I, I felt like if I complained, that that would cause more problems. You know, the lesson learned was not complaining. It was still the same problem because he didn't get what he wanted and then, you know, was mad at me anyway. Um, so I guess it's, it's a little bit of like, okay, we, we need to help people along to change and raise our voice. And I just wonder if there's any words of advice for that because I think it's hard sometimes to raise your voice. You know, it's like you take a break, breathe, know that you can't change everything. Um, just some, you know, words of advice. I would love to touch upon that. Um, we're in a very unique position where we are connected now globally like that. Like the, the amount of information that comes at us is this huge amount, but we're also now in a position to share that kind of information right back. So use your stance as a mom and as a mentor and a role model and a nurturer and an educator and a motivator to your kids and your friends and your fellow students social my Instagram page people are like if I'm having a shitty day I know to go to Caesar's page because there's something you know I don't, I don't report the bad I, I don't I scroll right past those news feeds that are just complaining about this and that so use your voice but how Maybe via an Instagram page or a video or maybe involve your kids so that they start to learn because that's the day and age we're in. Like as a performer, I'm like, it's, it's a necessary evil. Social media, I have to be on it. I have to tweet about stuff. I have to announce this on Instagram and I have to throw teasers. But all of that is said and done so that there is a wave of energy that just sort of ripple effected out to other people. So my best advice is use the power that we have now of global connectedness because everyone now is here. And if you say something, they might hear. And I feel like this is the first time where people are also listening. You know, like women have been, and obviously like men as well, but like women have been 
um, sexually abused forever, but only in the past, what, five years are we actually listening to 2,000 years of complaints, you know? Um, so people are listening now, and that's incredible. And kind of going back to, like, how do we make sure that everyone's represented is, like, yeah, using this technology is amazing. I started a podcast off of a broken iPad in when I was backpacking throughout Latin America. You know, I created my own platform. Tayo has his own podcast as well. So we have, we're, we are at this beautiful point with technology where if there isn't a platform for you, obviously like you have to be in a privileged state or position. Um, again, we're in New York. That's like, so, and most of us have access to technology. Um, but using, creating a platform, if you have that privilege, using your privilege for good, and then using your privilege to make sure that all of the other voices are heard. You know, like on my podcast, I try to make it as <coughs> inclusive as possible and try not to have like too much of one perspective so we can really hear as much um, as possible. And one thing that I would love to do if it ever got big enough is to be able to provide those tools and services for individuals who don't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, you can create your own stuff now you know and like again we're very lucky to be living in that time period so guys take advantage of it you know so the great tupac once said i might not i might not change the world recipes um but i might spark the revolution the generation that does change the world and my point with that is that i think a lot of us underestimate our own spirit so i, I speak a lot and i go to a lot of you young podcasts you do a lot of, of things in the creative communities you work with a lot of organizations that are doing this but the power of one voice is something we underestimate. I remember going to speak, speaking of the youth, to a bunch of 12, 13-year-olds. Me and my business partner were thinking, maybe we should dumb down this message. This is heavy stuff. And then at that point, I got this email from, at the time, I actually think she was 11, um, right after um, 45 got elected. And, and she, she goes, you don't know me. Dear Mr. Rocks, a very long letter. You don't know me. But I, when I saw that you were speaking, I went immediately looked at your website. And I read up all your bio. I'm a I'm Cuban and I don't look Latina, but always had that difficulty with the identity crisis like you, you describe yourself. I just feel like I'm in despair because I participated in Women's March. Alton um, Castillo just got shot. Uh, and, and there was a lot of these uh, shootings. I feel like there's no voice for women and people that look like me of color. But that was the feeling I had until I came to you. Because much like Oprah... And Nelson Mandela were your role models. You were mine. She, she said that. This is a long that I was like born crying. 11 years old. I didn't know the 11 year old. When I was an 11 year old, I wasn't sure what I was trying to do. But that's one voice. And now what she does is she keeps me updated on a, like a three month, like, oh, I, I just did this at, at this call, at this, uh, I started this multicultural group. I started this, I started this. She's excited about that. That's a voice. And that's what that can happen. So we focus on our sphere of influence. We don't know what we can spark. So. Yeah. Can I add really quick? That was amazing. I'm not going to top that. Um, but two things. So I think because all this has been technology focused, um, and it was brought up that I'm from the South, my family's all in the South. Um, so I think, you know, to the point about being so divided in this country right now, um, like, it's not easy. Uh, I don't have a choice because my family our Trump supporters, so I don't have a choice in not dealing with them. But like befriending people who don't look like you, befriending people who don't think like you, 
in a real human way. Because it's very easy to disregard a tweet, and it's very easy to attack a faceless person. Um, but actually, like, getting out of your comfort zone and loving people who don't think this way and loving people who are homophobic and understanding and helping to bring them around to it. Um, I mean, if I had a choice, I'd probably not do that. But my, I mean, coming to New York three years ago, the only thing I knew about feminism is it was bad. That's it. Mm. Like, <laughs> but like, that's real there. You know, like it's not, this isn't like some other made up planet. It's our country and it's who's in power. So I would say too, just like using the power of just like one-on-one connections can change so much. Once I got a role model to Tyler's point that was a feminist who I like started to identify with, um, then I totally rethought everything. But it took one person who I saw myself in to change that mentality. So I would just say like the power of human empathy and like actually being human with somebody, actually sitting with somebody who doesn't agree with you. And like now that one person that changed me now, it's like a huge passion. And my goal in life is to, you know, continue to raise this platform. The other thing I'll say too, which uh, Adrian touched on, is just using privilege to open up the gate for others who aren't as privileged. And that's where a lot of intersectional uh, intersectionality comes into play with the LGBTQ community. Um, minority women in specific have been really left out of historical feminism. Um, and, you know, like are really left out of a lot of these dialogues. So using any sort of platform that you have to raise awareness, um, you know, or promote awareness of um, somebody that doesn't have as much privilege as you. I mean, I'm a heteronormative white woman from a middle-class family. Like, I'm way up there with privilege. Um, so, like, recognizing that and encouraging um, voices of those that are less privileged than I am. Because I'll mess up a lot. Uh, I'll do things because, to tell you point, I'm right. Thank you all. Thank you all. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. 
That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 